Welcome to the Vision Driven Marriage Podcast. If you're struggling in your marriage, or maybe you're wondering if it's even salvageable, before you give up or before you let things get too hard, let us come alongside you and help you solidify your marriage. We offer biblical encouragement and insight to help you strengthen your marriage. Hi, we're Doug and Leslie Davis, and today we're going to be looking at finding your identity in Christ. We're going to be looking at the dangers of what happens when you find your identity somewhere else besides in Christ. Two weeks ago, we had the privilege to do an interview with Jim and Mindy Bradford, and one of the things that they talked about was how there are struggles that can exist if you're looking to anything as the first place in your life rather than Christ being the first place in your life. We want to make sure we're clear on a couple of things, though. It is good for you to love and adore your spouse. You should. It's good for you to love the job you have and to pour yourself into that job. That's a great thing. What we're talking about today, though, is what happens if you put one of those things first instead of putting Christ first. Because finding your identity in anything else than Christ is going to lead to some difficulties, if not some pretty major problems. Right. And, you know, one of the biggest things for us to look at today, one of the things that Jim mentioned several different times was that he had been looking as a young man to uh, the affirmation that he was getting from his father for part of his identity, even though it was a really difficult relationship, because even though his father was very proud of him, he was also neglectful and abusive to him. And so it led to some some bad decision-making, trying to earn the approval to find self-worth in what his father thought of him instead of what his heavenly father thought of him. And then later on, he was making decisions based on what made good business sense without seeking God's leading in that business sense. And that led to some struggles. And in his first marriage, um, he was doing things trying to make sure that he was able to please his wife instead of trying to please God first in everything that he did. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, jump back to May 5th and check out episode number 19. And that was with Jim and Mindy Bradford. So the first thing that we want to look at that can happen is If you don't put Christ as first in your life, if you're looking for your own identity anywhere except in Christ, it can lead to idolatry. Now, what exactly does that look like in the marriage relationship? What does that have to do with our marriages? Well, here's an example that we've seen repeatedly in the counseling office. I've seen it in pastoral counseling. I've even seen the temptation in our own marriage because of the incredible love that we have for our spouse, it's tempting, especially in our flesh, to make decisions based on what we know our spouse wants instead of hearing what our spouse wants and taking it to the Lord in prayer. We should always look to God, God, what do you want us to do? But it's really easy to decide that I'm going to put all of my devotion first in my spouse, which is the wrong placement. I should put all of my devotion first toward God. Then I can love the way I'm supposed to love. And I think one of the the miracles of God is that when you seek out the leadership of God in making a decision before your spouse and your spouse is also doing that, one of like the miraculous things that happen is that God brings unity to that relationship in a, in a special way. And a lot of times a way that 
you wouldn't recognize unless you were really looking for it. There's a redemptive quality in what God does there because until we learn to place God first in everything, it would be easy for us to make the mistake of placing someone else or something else first. And it, it's beautiful what Leslie just shared where uh, if if we as spouses are sometimes not always doing things as, as well as we will later, early on, we still get to see the redemptive quality of God as he leads us to what's good and what's right. But we need to focus uh, on doing something that we've all heard a lot, but we don't always know how it applies in this area of our life when we're talking about placing God first in our marriage. But the verse that was shared, and again, Jim Bradford shared this two weeks ago, was uh, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, understanding that if I seek God first in every single thing that I do, God will lead me to be able to make the better decisions, the best decisions in every other thing that I do. I want to please my spouse. I want to please my wife. But if I'm letting my wife be an idol in my life, then I would seek after what she wants, regardless of whether she is seeking after God in her life or not. Now, again, the blessing is when your spouse is seeking after God in her life, then pleasing her, again, will still have godly benefits because she's seeking after God. But what happens when she's had a bad day and in her flesh, she's looking to do something that's not God's will for your life as a married couple, mm -hmm. and you are seeking to please her more than you're seeking to please God. You can't love her the way you should, but when you put God first, then you can love her the way you should, give to her what's truly best, and you'll see what seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness means when all those things are added to your marriage. Because it will just make the decision, it, it might seem counterintuitive at first, like, you know, going into, um, going into making a decision when you know your spouse isn't, you know, isn't seeking the Lord and you don't want to cause a friction there. And it really does seem counterintuitive, but that's where faith comes in. Yeah. You know, the Lord, like this is a promise. All these things will be added unto you. Jesus seeks to bring peace to and harmony to your relationships. And one of the things about seeking first the kingdom, that's one of the things that he will bring to you is that peace that he, that he seeks to bring. Right. And there's lots of things that can be an idol in your life. And again, it's an unintentional idol. It's not something that you're seeking to worship. But anything that gets your attention and your devotion before God gets your attention and your devotion is an idol. And so, you know, it, it might be your spouse. It might be your kids. Um, and again, kids are great things that we want to be able to give our best to. You're only able to give your best to them when you're giving God first. And, and so, you know, your business, uh, your opportunities, your, uh, any of the things that you have as a gift from God can become an idol if you put those things before God. Now, but besides idolatry, the other thing that we wanted to talk about was how if you put someone or something first, instead of putting God first. It can lead to uh, bad decisions with best intentions. And uh, one of the things that that looks like, it, it kind of goes back to what we were describing earlier. If my, let's go ahead and, and move from your spouse to your children. Um, as a father, you always want to give what's truly best to your child. 
But if you're putting your child ahead of God and giving into your child's will instead of God's will, with the best of intentions, I want to provide for my, my children, you could make a bad decision because you're, you're giving them what they want, which, as we all know, sometimes isn't what they need. And we can accidentally hurt someone by giving them something that's detrimental to them. So with the best of intentions, I want my child to, to be filled with joy. I want my child to be provided for we could make a mistake of making a bad decision. And it comes down to whose will am I going to pursue? My own, my wife's will, my child's will, or as I should, am I going to be pursuing God's will? I think one of the things that I remember Jim saying in the um, interview that we did with him was that he was seeking his identity in these things in his family and his marriage and his job um, over his relationship with the Lord. And, you know, as we look about at where we get our identity from, you know, looking at allowing these things to become identities in our lives, that this is who we are. And if we're not a good parent, then or if our children aren't happy, or if we're not a good spouse and our spouse isn't happy, then we are a failure or we have um, somehow become less of a person than uh, what we would be, you know, if they were happy or if our children were happy or whatever. When we draw an identity from these places, we are on a path that's going to cause um, harm. It's going to cause destruction or going to cause harm because we should be seeking our identity in Christ. It also creates a snowball effect, a ripple effect. And here's what I mean by that. If, if my identity is based on what my wife believes about me, during the times that, that I make a bad decision or during the times that she's struggling, if I, through my actions, uh, have done things that let her down uh, or I've done things that have, have caused her uh, distress or sadness, I can think, well, I'm a failure or I can't do this right or uh, there's nothing that, that's truly good about what I'm trying to do. It just gives a foothold to the enemy to, to insert a lie right there. And, you know, and the enemy's just quick to say, well, you're not the spouse that you should have been, or you're not a good spouse at all, you right. know. And, and it becomes particularly difficult if, if uh, forgiveness is slow to come from your spouse, then you can think, I, I'm not able to be forgiven. What I've done was irredeemable. But what does God say about you? God says that when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's 1 John 1, 9. And so if, we, if I understand what God says about me, and I understand that even though I did mess up, that when I confessed it, he's forgiven me and he's cleansed me and I have the opportunity to be the husband that I want to be. I have the opportunity to be the, the father that I want to be. Even if my spouse is slow to forgive me, I still realize because my identity is in Christ, not just in my marriage, I have been forgiven. I can continue to do what's right. Even if my spouse is slower to forgive me, God wasn't. Even if my spouse is, is struggling to, to think that this do-over is truly something that should exist and that my actions are redeemable, God says that they are redeemable when I surrender my will to him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, looking back, again, let's look at, at the example with your children. If, if you give something to your child 
that's truly a blessing to them, but it wasn't what they wanted. And, uh, you know, God shows that because you love your child, you give to them good things. If your child doesn't appreciate it, you could think my efforts don't matter. But when you see what God says about, you know, if if, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Heavenly Father give them to us? And, and how we should constantly be looking to others rather than ourselves. We see what God says about what's right behavior and who we are in Christ. Then even if our children don't appreciate what's happening or if our spouse doesn't appreciate what's happening, we're not basing our identity, whether we've succeeded or failed, on what someone else thinks of us. We're looking at what God thinks of us and seeking after him and his will. And that's absolutely essential because you're going to have circumstances in your life where you will fall short and fail. The question is, does that make you a complete failure? If you're basing your identity on the business that you're working in or on just the immediate moment in your marriage or the immediate moment as a parent, you could feel like a complete failure. But if you're basing your identity on who Christ says you are and what he says he will do for you, you realize the circumstance fell short, the circumstance failed. But when I seek after the kingdom of God first, there's, there's merit there that God will truly draw me to his heart. And even if I don't see a blessing in every circumstance, I will see God's blessing because I belong to him. And I think another place where we see this playing out when we don't catch our identity, when we don't seek our identity in Christ, is um, looking like comparison towards other yes. people. You know, and if it, it's so easy, like if we're seeking our identity or we getting our identity from, let's say, what we see on social media, where everything, you know, turns out perfect as pie because that's what everybody's posting, right? right. Then we're looking at that and going, okay, we will never measure up. Like I right. can't measure up to, you know, Jane Doe who has a perfect house and beautiful meals and well put together children, you know, when... I have unfolded laundry upstairs. I have dishes that are undone and my children are just a mess. And so we won't ever live up to that. But when we're seeking our identity in Christ, you know, Christ is leading us to provide those kind words to our children. And we do that. You know, mm -hmm. that's where we succeed in that. And it doesn't matter what the outside world thinks they see or they don't see. You know, when we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit and getting our identity in Christ, then we know that we can be secure in that calling and that when you do the best that you can in those situations by the leading of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Right. And, you know, when we put our identity in those comparisons, it leads to a lot of insecurity. Oh, it leads yeah. to feel, feelings of failure. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to depression. And we know that all of those things are increasing more and more every year. Uh, we see a lot of insecurity, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. And how much of that is because we're placing our value in the comparison to others instead of who Christ says we are. And one of the, the things that that can lead to for us as men is we can sell ourselves short or sell ourselves out. And a biblical example of that, I, I really appreciated that Jim shared this two weeks ago as well, was uh, what we saw with Esau. 
Esau was, by a lot of the world's measurements, a real manly man. He was a hunter. He he was, he was brawny. He, yeah, he was. He was strong. His his father just absolutely adored him. But he wasn't seeking after God, and because he wasn't seeking after God, he he married uh, some women who led him even further away from seeking God's will. He sold his birthright because he was hungry and sold it for a bowl of, of lentils. And so here's, here's what we need to realize besides the insecurity. When you start to live by comparison, um, you, you fail to live with, with the God's discipline in your life. You're, you're motivated by other things. So the question becomes, what's motivating you? What's influencing you? Whose will are you seeking? And if we're seeking the will of being applauded by Instagram or being applauded by, you know, Facebook, first of all, people only post the things that are beautiful. Their lives are just as much of a mess as yours. But by comparison, it doesn't feel that way. And if we don't have um, a godly discipline seeking after what God wants for us, then here's an unfortunate reality, men. And I, I know this is true for everybody, but men, I want to I want to share this with you as we continue to deal with masculinity. If you don't have the discipline to care more about what God thinks than what anyone else thinks, you are going to be very prone to give in to your appetites and your appetites will lead you in the direction God does not want you to go. I think the word discipline has gotten a bad rap over the years because right. we, I think as a society in whole, we we wanted to soften the word punishment right. and changed it to discipline and it really took out the true meaning of the word discipline, because when somebody is disciplined, it means that they have grit, stick to itiveness. They are disciplined in their mind and their behavior to do things and to think things that they wouldn't normally think if they were on autopilot or they wouldn't normally do if they right. were um, just given to, what did you say? Just given to their, their appetites. Their appetites. That's right. it. There's an intentionality about what we're talking being about being disciplined. Mm -hmm. And and what it means is I'm going I'm going to choose to care about what God cares about. Um, that's the kind of discipline that will bless you and the re what that has to do with though is a lot of humble submission. Mm -hmm. And being able to humble yourself before God to say there there are things that I want to do that I shouldn't do and I'm aware of it. There's things that I don't want to do that I should be doing and I'm aware of it. There's a lot of things that I don't know how to do, and I'm aware of that as well. And so that humble submission of saying, God, I want you to show me your will so that I can make decisions that will not only be a blessing for me, but blessings or decisions that will be a blessing in my marriage and decisions that will be a blessing in my family. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> You always catch me. I don't have anything to add to that. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I and, say that a lot. <laughs> and to be able to do that, then we can start to learn what God thinks of us. And if we start to learn what God thinks of us, we're less prone to either make a person or a thing an idol in our lives. We need to be thinking, I, I want to please God first. Then I'll make good business decisions. Then I'll make good decisions in my marriage. Then I will make good decisions in my family. But I want to please God. I want to seek after God first. We're also less prone to make bad decisions with good intentions mm -hmm. because, you know, I love my wife. I, I dearly love my wife. I love my children. And if all I'm thinking about is them rather than the blessing that they are from God and seeking God's will, 
um, in a moment of weakness that both of us would share, I could make a really bad decision because I love her and want to please her. And likewise, she could make a bad decision because she loves me and wants to please me and I'm if we're sure, not focused on God. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's happened. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that we have been at times on autopilot and have right. made decisions that is that are, are not... Um, in line really with God's perfect will, you know, for our lives and for our marriage. Right. And and thank God he's so gracious, you know. He just gives grace. He does. <laughs> and, you know, but through the through the process of, of seeking God's will, it's a learning curve. Yes. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to always seek God first the way you should when you're first getting started. It, it's something that God wants to develop in you. God wants to lead you by his Holy Spirit so that you can get better and better at it. But just because you have moments where you're not seeking him first like you should doesn't mean you've failed. What it means is that that particular moment You didn't do it the correct way, but you have a new opportunity today to seek God first. You have a new opportunity this evening to seek God first. You have a new opportunity tomorrow morning to seek God first. It's one of those things that is perpetual. And And beautiful. And when you learn to seek God first, a couple of things will happen. The first thing is you'll be able to put everything else in the proper position. I, I can love my wife better when I'm seeking God first, I can love my children better when I'm seeking God first, but also I'm less prone to fall victim to those insecurities and those feelings of absolute failure, to those beliefs that are, are based in lies. You know, you're not worth God's love. You'll never be successful at anything. All of those things are lies. And when we are seeking God first, we get to see the reality of what he thinks of us, even during the moments when we're having struggles within our family. Yes. <laughs> so the verse that I wanted to share with you to, to just emphasize that you can find out what God thinks of you is 1 Peter 2, 9. God's word says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the promises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we know that we've made a lot of decisions uh, where we didn't realize how much we'd been called out of darkness into his light. We'd made decisions that were the wrong decisions. God is a God who gives forgiveness and grace. He calls us to repentance. He restores us when we seek after him. But I want you to hear what God said about you. If you belong to the Lord, God says that he chose you, that you are his chosen. He also says that that you're holy. And I know you don't feel like you're holy, but when you seek after God's leading and seek after God's will, God will lead you in decisions that will be holy and that will glorify God. But, you know, it's hard for us to comprehend God's command, be holy because I am holy. But that's what he tells us. And so when you're seeking him first, he says you're holy. But he also says that you're his special possession. Um, That's really difficult. But when we look at these insecurities, I I believe that God wants you to grab hold of that truth from his word. When you have given your life to Jesus Christ, God says that you belong to him and that you're special to him. And when we seek him first, we get to see what happens when God takes his special possession, you, and leads you to be able to make the right decisions in your marriage and the right decisions in your family, the right decisions in your business. It's really hard to be insecure when you're holding on to that truth. Right. And so we've got 
an awesome opportunity. Yes, we need to declare the praises of the God who saved us. We need to realize these things are true. But we need to recognize at the front of our brain, a conscious level, that the things that we love are important and good, but God should always be before them. Mm-hmm. Then we can love the people and the things that God's given to us the right way. Then we can succeed as husbands, we can succeed as fathers, we can succeed as business people because we're putting God first. An easy concept to understand, really difficult to first start putting into place. But once you start putting that into place where you're going to seek God first in everything, he will lead you by his Holy Spirit to be a, to empower you to be able to do that in a way that honors him and that truly leads you into what you've wanted the whole time. It'll also help you to eliminate the, because I love you, I'm going to make a decision that turns out to be a bad decision. Because when you're seeking God's leading, he'll lead you toward good decisions. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it's going to help you be able to believe truth in a world that would love for you to continue to be insecure and anxious and depressed, to think that you're not good enough, that you don't measure up. When the reality is God says that he chose you, that you belong to him, and that you're special to him. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Vision Driven Marriage. 